morning, family. We're reading from page 942 in the Pew Bible, Romans 5, verse 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass, for if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin, for the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Buenos dias, familia. Good morning. How many of you guys are, can't wait to uh, get some warmer weather? You know, it's been kind of, yeah, you know, some of us are really clapping about that. I hear you. I hear you, Deanna. Um, I'm so glad uh, we're able to gather this morning. And uh, even with the weather being outside, you know, sometimes something like the weather can control so much of our emotions, of how we process life. Um, but know this. Um, that Jesus is greater than something like a cloudy day, a cold day, or even whatever you and I are going through in life, uh, the outcome of our sins. So why don't we pray? And um, we're to continue to look at Romans chapter 5, okay? Following up what we looked at last week. Let's pray. God, apart from you, we can do nothing. More specifically, apart from you, Jesus, we can do nothing on our own. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've begun. And thank you, Jesus, for what you're completing. Thank you because you're completing a tremendous plan, a plan of salvation, a plan of redemption, the Father's plan. And Lord, this morning we have the help of your Spirit that will be leading us into truth. 
that will be diagnosing our hearts through your word as we, your church, gather together and are reminded of the great work that you've done for us, Christ Jesus. So this morning, continue to open up our hearts and our minds as you've been doing already through the service, even throughout the week. You've been speaking to us. And Lord, help us to see you clearly as we see your word clearly. It's in your name. Amen. Amen. So have you been asking yourself this question? Is Jesus enough? I mean, really. Is Jesus enough? Sure, theologically we'll say, yeah, he, he, he's enough. I mean, we believe in the gospel. But on a street level, on a functional level, on a relationship level, on a, the struggles that I'm dealing with on an everyday basis, on an hourly basis, is Jesus really enough? Especially after looking at Romans chapter 1 through 3. I mean, we're looking at, we're looking at some major sin issue. Stuff that we have built within us. Is Jesus enough to reverse it and save all who believe in him? Save them from their sin? How can one man's sacrifice, as noble as it was, bring healing and redemption? And not only bring healing and redemption, but bring tremendous amount of benefits. Well, this morning as we look at Romans chapter 5, church verses 12 through 21, I want us to take this one truth. And this is the one truth that Paul shares with us this morning, this portion of Scripture. As a matter of fact, I'm going to make it a little bit more personal. This is the truth that God is sharing through Paul for you and I this morning. It's God's Word. The truth is this, that what Jesus Christ did at the cross is enough. Is enough to outdo, rescue, and cure a lifetime of sin and death. So if you've come this morning really burdened by sin and death, you're in the right place. You're in the right place. You're going to be getting some real good news. We've been looking at verses 1 through 11 in, in this chapter, and if you were here last Sunday, we, we saw the seven realities of a justified life. You know how it, it wasn't anything that we did on our own. It wasn't a, a salvation that we mustered up through our own works, but it was a salvation that was freely given to us, a justification of being made right before God, solely given to us by grace in the person of Jesus Christ. And how is it obtained? It's, it's by faith. It's by faith, trusting that his work was enough to make us right. So we looked at peace with God. We saw how this justified life brings hope. It brings joy in the midst of a tumultuous lifestyle. Well, now in verses 12 through 21, Paul's going to show us two main powers at play. Two powers that seek to stomp that justification that we've received. That that that. That truth that we were set right before God solely by Jesus Christ. 
And those two are sin and death. As a matter of fact, death is the fruit of sin. We'll be looking at. Well, the first thing we need to look at as we read the word, verses 12 through 14, is that we need to understand that we're in a real big mess. <laughs> let's, let's, let's read this together. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. Paul's going to go ahead and pause that sentence and pick it up again in verse 18. But he's going to encapsulate this big parenthetical statement. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one, who was a, who, who was a type of the one who was to come. So I was studying this, I was, I was, I was reminded of, of a common question that I often hear and, and, and that I think we all frankly entertain is, is why is there so much sin and evil in the world? You know, why, you know, why do people die? Uh, just last week, we, we had a funeral of a mother of a safe place kid whose father, the father of the mother, passed away. And it was something that we wanted to keep it, uh, well, they wanted to keep it real personal within the family. But as we observed the life of, of this one individual, the best we could do is just point them to the gospel, to someone who was much greater than the grief and the death that they had experienced. Now, why do people die? Why is there pain and suffering, abuse, crime, broken homes, broken lives, cyclical addictions that we can't seem to, 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 to get ourselves out of? This week, we heard um, the reoccurring news of, of the nine-year-old who was shot, Taishan Lee, and he was shot execution style last year. Well, apparently we found out this week that the murderer had deeper intentions of malice. Apparently he wanted to torture this kid. It wasn't enough to just shoot him in the head. He wanted to torture him. I mean, what's going on? You know, where, you know, where's all this evil coming from? Well, according to the scripture here, why is there evil in the world? It tells us here that sin came into the world through one man. Sin came into the world, and it entered the world through Adam. Now, Adam is not the originator of sin. I love what John MacArthur says. He says, the one who originated sin, the one where evil was birthed, is Satan. He was sinning from the beginning, 1 John chapter 3, verse 8 says. But sin made itself known, entering the world through Adam. How? In Genesis chapter 2, verse 3. We see in Genesis 2, 16, when God created the world, he made Adam and Eve. And it tells us here that as God addresses Adam, 
He says, And the Lord commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree in the garden. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, listen, from that one you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely what? You shall surely die. In other words, Adam, listen, I want you to enjoy everything I've made. Enjoy it. But don't cross the line on this one command. Don't eat from that tree. And it's for your own good because the day that you do, the repercussions of that will be death. And that's what occurred. When Adam ate from the tree, both he and Eve, not only did death occur, but sin entered the world. The outcome of this one act of disobedience from Adam brought about a universal sin and universal death. A sin infected human race, something, a, a, a spiritual cancer that physically and spiritually decay us. Something that we're all, as individuals, born with. Because all sinned. Notice, in this verse, it's, it's not in the plural. It's in the past, and it's a singular action. Paul's not simply saying that we all sin like Adam. No, he's saying that we all sin in Adam. And so he's basically saying, listen, you have this, this, this teaching going on that humanity has a representative. Humanity has a federal head, if you would. When Adam sinned, we all sin. And whatever the head achieves, we achieve. It's kind of like well, you know, now we're going to be, Tuesday is, 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 is voting day, right? If you haven't voted early. In choosing the next president, this sort of comes into play here. If our next leader calls a war, guess what? As a nation, we're going to be in war. <laughs> but if, if the leader of our nation, if the federal head, if the representative of our nation makes peace with another nation, what ends up happening? Our nation is at peace. We're not at war. What they do, this representative, the nation does. So we have passed down as well this built-in, not only representative, but a sinful condition that was passed down by Adam. See, when Adam sinned, when Adam trespassed, and, and that's what it means, he passed the line, he, he rebelled blatantly, uh, disobedient before God. He took God's law and said, you know what? I'm going to step over this line and I'm going to do what I want. He passed this sinful condition a condition which was birthed the moment he crossed that line. A sinful nature was passed down to you and I. So that when Adam sinned, 
Not only was a new nature created, but it was, it was passed down like toxic waste at the center or at the core of a canal or of a stream that now spreads through all humanity. R.C. Sproul would put it this way, this sin has so affected us and is so deeply ingrained with us that our minds, our wills, and our bodies are affected by evil. So we speak sinful words, do sinful deeds, have impure thoughts. Our very bodies suffer from the ravages of sin. Our problem with sin is that it is rooted in the core of our being. It's like a glitch in the computer system that can't be taken out on its own. And it permeates our hearts. Sin is at a core and not merely an exterior of our lives. So why do we still have wars? Why is there crime? Why do we still struggle? It's because of our sinful nature. Our human condition is sinful at its core. Sin resides in us. And really what Paul's doing here is really doing an encapsulation of chapters 1, 2, and 3, isn't he? It's what we've been hearing over and over again. That we sin because we're sinners. That we the reason why we can't get rid of this beast on our own that's within us, this, this boogeyman, if you would, is because it resides within our condition. And it was something that was passed on again by this one act, this one man, our forefather in the flesh, Adam. But this one act of disobedience also brought about universal death. This was the fruit. This is what blossomed, right? Uh, you know, you've heard me use this illustration before. A mango tree will give fruit to what? Mango. <laughs> it won't give fruit to apple. A mango tree bears fruit to mango, and so sin bears fruit to death, both physical and spiritual. And this is the proof that we're sinners, that death came through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned, and as we keep reading, so death reigned. Because sin was present. That's why Paul says in verses 13 and 14 that whether or not people had God's written law between Adam and Moses, everyone dies because everyone is guilty. What Adam did, because we were in Adam. They're all carrying a sinful nature within them as well. Now, someone might take a look at this and say, you know what? I don't think that's fair. I, I, I don't think it's fair. I don't, I, don't, I don't think it's fair for God to judge me for a wrongdoing that Adam did. You feeling that? <laughs> I mean, yeah, God is a just God and a loving God and a good God, and because, he's, because he bears those attributes, he needs to judge sin. 
a, a rebellion against his holiness and his purity. Okay, I can understand that, but I don't think it's fair for God to judge me. I wasn't even born. Well, I think it's not only fair, but friend, it's good, merciful, and wise for God to do that. And I would propose to you this morning what Paul is proposing to us this morning. That if God had taken each and every one of us, case by case, life by life, our every day and our every sin, and placed it in front of him and say, Jorge, you're first. Boom. So and so, you're first. Jeremy, you're next. You know, each, each and every one of us stand right before the throne of God and on an individual basis looked at us. How we say it in Spanish, I am mama. <laughs> Lost case. Lost case. But by condemning the entire world in one man, he's able to bring salvation to the world, to those who would believe in him through one man. A new Adam, Jesus God is able to save and make right, again, those who would come to him through one man. What sin had destroyed and is still destroying, God can only redeem through one man. And thank God it's not you or I. <laughs> the same way that one man brought total condemnation to the world, Jesus Christ would bring total salvation to anyone, anyone, anyone who calls on him, anyone. Adam was a type of the one who was to come, verse 14 tells us, Jesus, Jesus. So yeah, we're, we're wrecked in Adam, we're a mess, aren't we? I mean, we can pause right now and each of us tell our own stories. Each of us tell each other what we struggled with <laughs> just this week, just today perhaps. <laughs> the sin that we're, we're trying to believe that in Jesus has been conquered. But I love what Paul here does next is that, yes, we're, we're, we're wrecked in one man, in Adam, but our rescue has come in Jesus Christ. And what he does for us is that he, he, he not only summarizes chapter 3 and the beginning part of chapter 5, he, he, he basically takes it apart for us. And he says, I'm going to give you some contrasts. I'm going to give you some, some ways that you're going to be able to tell whether you're in Adam or whether you're in Jesus by faith or even functioning, living either by Adam or by Jesus. So he would go on to say in verse 15 through 17, but the free gift, this is the work of God through Jesus Christ that makes us right before God's eyes. It's justification. This free gift, it's not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more 
have the grace of God and a free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, I bounded for many. In other words, the nature of both of these doings, Adam's and Jesus's, are going to be way different. Way different. Totally on, their, on, on, on opposite sides of the spectrum. So some of the major contrasts that we begin to see here, okay, and, and, and I'm, and, and I'm going to want you to catch this underlining truth, okay, that Christ's gracious gift at the cross, it is, it is way greater, way greater than Adam's sin and the sin that you are struggling with right now that you feel Death is right around the corner. I've lost all hope. My ADD is kicking in. <laughs> Verse 15. Okay, so remember, we have a federal head, right? We have a representative. And this is important. Why? Because what he has done will be imparted to us. Okay? So let's look here. Adam's trespass. Okay? What does being part of Adam's race bring? Well, in verse 16, we're going to see here that it brought us judgment and condemnation. His sin brought us judgment and condemnation. We see it. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. Again, that one man is Adam. For the judgment following one trespass Following that one sin, that offense before God, it brought condemnation. See, the righteous verdict of a holy God, of a just God over sin, over Adam's sin and our sin, if it wasn't because of Jesus, is, is listen, guilty, guilty. And this makes total, complete sense. Listen, if you and I, if you and I were to, were to show up in court with, let, let's just say we're, we're, we're real good individuals, and in our lifetime, we've only sinned 200 times. You know, in, in thought and deed, and, and 200 times in our lifetime. You know, we show up in front of court, and let's take those, and, 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 and let's take those sins and and we'll turn them into tickets. If we show up to a court and tell a judge, judge, you know, can, can I just be partner from these 200 tickets? I mean, come on. I'm, just, just let me go free. A righteous judge would do what? A just judge would do what? He'd say, no, I'm sorry. You can't just go free. Uh, there's there's, there's got to be some, some penalties or, or, or a punishment, an outcome for your trespasses. Well, this is what Paul's saying. That one trespass has brought judgment and condemnation. Verse 18, one trespass has led to condemnation for all men. You and I. But then look at the opposite side, Jesus Christ. His gracious life-giving work of justification, right? Of making us right in God. What does being part of, of Christ's 
humanity bring of following him is that it gave us justification. What Adam gave us, judgment and condemnation in sin, Jesus gives us a right standing. Verse 16, but the free gift, Christ's work at the cross, following many trespasses, brought justification. Jesus paid it all. Done. And he's declared us not guilty by taking on our very punishment. What we deserved. Verse 18, one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. The work that Jesus did on the cross, that one obedient work that he did at the cross made us right. And it's led to justification and a life for all men. No spiritual death or condemnation. With Adam's trespass, let's go back to verse 17 now. It brought us the experience of death. It brought us the experience of death reigning and ruling. In other words, life is temporal. You and I will only live X amount of years. Verse 17 says, because one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man. In other words, there was a dominion that death had. Verse 21, sin reigned in death. But look at Jesus. Let's keep reading verse 17. Because he calls us to reign in life now and eternity through him. Look what it says. Much more. That comparison. Will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? This whole thing of reigning in life is, is the experiencing of the joy, of the hope, of the life that now believing in Jesus Christ alone can give. It, it, it's the fruit of faith. It's the fruit of standing before God right, not because I had a great religious week this week, but it's because Jesus did it all when I was at my worst. When he was hanging up on the cross, and he said, it is finished. It is finished. And that's all I need to place my faith on. And it sets us to live life abundantly, as Jesus would say, today and for eternity. Verse 21, sin reigned in death, but grace, grace. Here it says, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading into eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So being under Jesus costs us to reign in life now and in eternity. So eternal life begins now. And three, Adam's trespass. Again, what, what does being part of Adam's race bring? It made us sinners. It made us sinners. One man's disobedience, verse 19, the many were made sinners. But in Jesus Christ, again, what does being found in him, what does believing in Christ 
to be our right standing before God entail and give to us? We're made righteous. We are made righteous even though, check this out, we still sin. Verse 19, one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Jesus' one act of going to the cross has made you pure, without blemish, and free from any type of accusation. So if you're in Adam today, and then you're noticing that in your life, you're seeing these traits of judgment, condemnation, that yeah, I'm, 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 I'm trying to make it through life. I'm even trying to please God, but I seem to, to fail. And, and, and this whole thing of, of Jesus and, and at the cross, I don't quite understand it, but, but I sense I need it. I, I, I need Jesus. Listen, God is telling you right here, receive. Receive what Jesus Christ has done. Look at verse 17. Much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. So there is hope. And how do you receive it? By letting go. By letting go of that which you're holding dear to replace Jesus. By letting go. By turning around, by having a change of mind. We call it repentance. And saying, I need you, Jesus. I need you to complete me because I can't do this on my own. I can't stand right before God. I can't even stand right before others on my own. I can't stand right before myself on my own. This thing is within me. And if you're in Christ, brother and sister, <laughs> but are living under Adam, let me encourage you in this. Look at yourself the way God sees you. Look at the way God sees you, not for who you are, but for who Christ is. For the work that Christ, as our representative, has done. Listen, if Christ is our representative, then whatever is true of him is true of us. Whatever God sees in his son, he sees in you. The moment you place your faith in Jesus and he saved you, he now is seeing you through the perfect blood of Jesus Christ, his lamb. So now there is no condemnation for you. So now there is no guilt leading to shame and death. Now there is actual freedom and liberation. I would put it this way. If God had a picture frame of you, and I was sharing this with an elder not too long ago, we were just talking about just the goodness of being justified in Christ and how that plays out even with how we teach but if, if God had a picture of you, his child, his saved child in his home, hung up, put it on a dresser, put it on a fridge, 
but you know you had a horrible week with just temptation, with sin. You felt defeated. You can't even stand yourself. You're wondering why you keep repeating certain sins over and over and over again. And you're easily beating yourself up. Friend, can I just remind you that God is not only viewing at you, saying, that's my son, but he is pleased with you. He's pleased with you, not because of your works done in righteousness, but because of Jesus' work done in righteousness. Now, does he grieve over sin? Yes, he does. He grieves his spirit. But he's rejoicing over you. Because you are not what you do. You are what he's done for you. So knowing that in Christ you have been redeemed from sin's guilt. Brother, you can have complete confidence that you will never be condemned. So stop condemning yourself. Stop condemning yourself of your sin. Who are you to judge yourself? God? <laughs> Let me relieve you of that burden. You ain't God. God has declared you righteous the moment you placed your faith in him. Knowing that in Christ you have been released from sin's power, you can overcome. Why? Because he's overcame. Jesus overcame. You can overcome a sinful world system in which we live or we constantly are fighting temptations. The self-centeredness of our own human condition and the temptations of the devil. Knowing that Christ, in Christ you have been made righteous because of his work means you don't have to criticize others or lie or, 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 or appear righteous. Shift blame. Exaggerate, make excuses, or fight to defend yourself to establish your own righteousness. You're righteous. You have been justified. You have been made right according to God. You don't need anybody else's approval, not even your own. And knowing that in Christ, God has brought you for himself, bought you for himself, gives you and I reason to actually experience the same kind of joy that Jesus had, even in the midst of suffering. We were hearing that last week. I mean, for the joy that was set before him, Jesus went to the cross. You can have joy in the midst of suffering, the same kind of peace he had, which he promises that will surpass all our understanding, guarding our hearts and minds in him and in his work for us. We can submit to God. We can acknowledge our wrongdoing and our sin, repent. And we can serve God freely because he has set us free. Hebrews 7.25 says consecutively, he's able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him. Jesus, that is, since he, Christ Jesus, always lives to make intercession for you. 
So I'll leave you with this one principle that God through Paul is leaving us here. A tremendous principle that we can take home. That's verse 20. Now the law, the Ten Commandments, the Torah, came in to increase a trespass. Came to increase a trespass. It didn't come so that we can be saved through our works, through the law. The law helps us see the depth of our sinful human condition, right? You tell a kid, don't, <laughs> you tell us, don't touch the wall. There's wet paint. What do we do? <laughs> Is it really wet? <laughs> but look at this, but, and here, take this home. Where sin increased, in other words, where sin was added, grace was multiplied over it. In other words, grace abounded all the more. God's grace multiplied a thousand times over our additional sins. We're overwhelmed by grace. We can be overwhelmed by this one act of righteousness flowing through Jesus instead of being overwhelmed by our regrets and how we fell again. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is how committed Jesus is to bringing you home with this one act of righteousness. You, you, you're going to out-sin God? Try it. <laughs> it don't work. <laughs> it don't work. Grace tells us it doesn't work. So the principle is this. And this is Charles Spurgeon. He says, in Jesus Christ, we have gained much more than we ever lost in Adam. Much more. We can outsin the complete work of Christ. When we place our faith in Christ, His grace begins to multiply over and over and over to the square root over our sins that add up. God's grace is greater than all of our sin, just as we read. So my question is, do you believe that? Do you by faith believe that the work that Jesus did is greater than all your sin? Let's pray. Father, it is so tempting to many times want to contribute to this righteousness, to want to contribute to your grace and, 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 and um, somehow measure it. Lord, thank you that it was, it was not only made evident, but it is overflowing to the point of overwhelming us overwhelming our sin and overwhelming death in Jesus Christ. 
Lord, thank you that is is this work of Jesus of making us right that Lord not only sets us right before you but Lord if we really believe this it liberates us functionally to live for you and to not care Lord about about Lord anything else that that is of this world in comparison to you Lord this morning you know our hearts. And this morning, you know where each of us stand. If we've placed our faith in you, Jesus, thank you that we are now under you, Jesus, our representative. You've bestowed upon us a right standing and, and, and all these blessings. But Lord, there's someone here who does not yet know you and connects with the person of Adam, understands that he or she is is under Adam, bound by condemnation, bound by sin, and, 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 and sees no way out, only death. Lord, I pray that you would open up their hearts in the same way that you've opened up ours. So I ask you this morning, and, and, I, and I ask that we continue praying, just in this attitude of prayer. Are you in Adam or in Christ? Remember, we can't help being in Adam. By virtue of our physical birth, we are in Adam's family. But our whole point is this. You don't have to stay there. God has made a way for you to pass from Adam to Christ. In other words, your first birth doesn't have to stay there in Adam. You can come to Christ. And if that's what you desire this morning, as God is tugging away at your heart, then as we sing this song, you can come to him right now. You can receive him. You can believe that his work at the cross is enough for your forgiveness and can offer you a brand new start. So if you believe that, then share your heart this morning to him.